This is Charlotte Donlin, and you're listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my first book, The Great Belonging, and my other writing and work at charlottedonlin.com. This article is from the Appalachian Online. It looks like it's the online student publication for Appalachian State University. It's written by Cameron Stewart, and the title is New Smiley Cards Help with Loneliness and Isolation in Dining Hall. Here's how it starts. The Student Government Association has added some extra smiles to roast dining hall. The Smiley Card Act, posed by Andrew Strahan, a former SGA senator for the College of Arts and Sciences, was passed in the fall and came into effect in January. It's a pretty simple initiative, Strahan said. It's just pictures of smiley emojis. And if you're sitting by yourself or you're sitting with friends and you want other people to come sit with you, you just grab a card and you place it on your table for others to see. Strahan, a senior political science and economics major, said the idea for the act came from a Japanese restaurant where employees noticed a lot of seniors came in and sat by themselves, and they wanted to help change that. A, it was just taking up too much space, and B, it was just unnecessary because all these seniors were lonely and they needed friends, Strahan said. He also said as an out-of-state transfer student, he understands the loneliness, isolation, and social anxiety that comes with not knowing anyone at a university, and he wanted to do something about that. App State students are often characterized in the winter as having a a lull in attitude, the sense of loneliness, Strahan said. So this card is not a perfect fix for that, but I think it is super quick, super easy, and super effective. Strahan said his act passed easily because it had support from the food services. Y'all, I love this idea. And I think every cafeteria and coffee shop and casual dining restaurant should implement it. It's a simple way to connect people who might want some company. Stephanie Lee, communications specialist for the food services at Appalachian State, said the dining experience is about more than just eating. She said, people focus a lot on food, but your dining experience is everything. So anytime we make that better for students, it seems like a no-brainer. Strahan said cashiers have told him the cards are being used and the SGA has received positive feedback through social media. He said this bill was different for him than his other bills because there is more tangible proof it's working. He said it's the most important bill he's written, quote, I think this speaks to who Appalachian is, that we want to be open to meeting people and making sure that everyone feels welcome on our campus. Again, this article is titled, New Smiley Cards Help with Loneliness and Isolation in Dining Hall, and it can be found on the AppalachianOnline.com. All of the links for the articles that I'm discussing in this episode will be um, in the show notes for this episode that you can find through my website, CharlotteDonlin.com. Just click on Hope for the Lonely Podcast. Okay, the next article... I want to look at is titled Aging for Amateurs, Friends Keep Us Alive. I found this article in the Post and Courier, which is based in Charleston, South Carolina. The website is postandcourier.com, and it was written by Bert Keller, who is a retired minister and bioethicist. He writes, Older people who touch the edges of the cold shadow of loneliness or sometimes fall under its full shadow don't need convincing that friends are important. Loneliness makes us unhappy and unhealthy, and it can shorten our life. No statistics needed. And those who have friends know their good fortune. 
We know in our bones how vitally important friendships are. Then Keller um, talks about technology and how friends online are different from friendships that we form face-to-face. He says, These technologies are relatively new to us in the older generation, so we may not be tempted to rely on them for connecting or for, def- or for defining, quote, friend. We, we remember what good friendship was like before Facebook. We hold memories of special friends from childhood and other chapters in our life. New friendships enrich us, and we treasure the mature friendships we have brought with us over the space of many years. Then he gives some helpful basic insight into the art of friendship. He says the first step in friendship is recognizing common interests, pure and simple. We enjoy spending time with a person because we like some of the same things. That's how we strike up a conversation. I love your photography. What kind of camera do you do you use? Or how about them tigers? So far, easy as pie, Keller says. He says the next step in deepening friendship is feeling safe with the other person. That means trusting him or her not to harm you, bore you, use you, or betray you. Relational trust grows out of increasing empathy, commitment, patience, and understanding. It means listening, asking a question, and waiting for a full answer, not using it as a cue for jumping in about ourselves. It means giving our attention, not our opinions. So Keller goes on to share about how friendships deepen and how friends can change each other over the course of time. And I really like what he says about that. He says, friends change each other. Even we, are, even when we are not together for months or years, maybe even if our friend is now gone, we hold the friend in silent dialogue and tend to act in ways our friend would acknowledge as coming from our best self. A real friend helps us be more authentic. This could be called, quote, truing up the self, a phrase I learned from Dr. George Orvin, a longtime child and adolescent psychiatrist at the Medical University of South Carolina. Our friends influence our personality and our behavior over time like the soil, weather, and barrel influence the grape in making a fine, line, fine wine. He continues saying, not that these shaping influences are planned or even conscious. David White is right when he says in Consolations, The ultimate touchstone of friendship is not improvement, either of the other nor of the self. The ultimate touchstone is witness, the privilege of having seen, I'm sorry, the privilege of having been seen by someone and the equal privilege of being granted the sight of the essence of another, to have walked with them and to have believed in them and sometimes just to have accompanied them for however a brief span on a journey impossible to accomplish alone. All right, this is a lovely piece on friendship, and it makes me want to call my closest friends and tell them I love them and appreciate them. So I definitely recommend you reading. You read it. It's called Aging. No, it's from the column Aging for Amateurs, which is from the Post and Courier. And the title of this particular one is Aging for Amateurs, Friends Keep Us Alive. And it was written by Bert Keller, a retired minister and bioethicist. The next news piece comes to us from Seattle via Nashville. The title is Daycare Inside a Nursing Home. Yes, and it's a big hit in Seattle. All right, I found this online at newschannel5.com, which is the website for a television station out of Nashville, Tennessee. It says... Many people struggle with loneliness, but it can be particularly hard among older adults. 
One unique daycare model is hoping to change that by bringing children and seniors together. It's called the Intergenerational Learning Center, and it's situated inside the Providence Mount St. Vincent Senior Care Facility in West Seattle. It's a place where babies as young as six weeks old and those approaching centenarian status can help and appreciate each other. Somebody might have profound dementia and maybe has been a mother all their life, and then when you hold a child, just think about what comes back to you, said Charlene Boyd, one of the founders of the program and an administrator at the senior care facility. Sometimes that engagement will make the world of difference, even if it's just for a moment, Boyd says of the interaction between the children and seniors. She truly believes there's something magical that happens when you pair pre-K children with seniors, many of whom struggle to even communicate. The kids know the vulnerability of these older adults, Boyd says. They see their frailty, but they embrace it. Again, can we replicate this? Um, Can we put daycare centers inside every nursing home? I mean, this is a great idea, and I don't know why other nursing homes haven't adopted it. Well, maybe others have. If so, they need to write an article about it so I can share it with you next time I do a Loneliness in the News episode. But here's more about this nursing home daycare center that does exist. The article says, Six times a week, Ollie, Owen, and Cameron from the two- and three-year-old groups are chauffeured through the care facility's hallways via little red wagons. It's their primary mode of transit to get to the many planned activities with the senior residents. They do art, they do music, they do exercise. That allows a a purposefulness between the two of them and how they can help each other. This program is open to anyone, but it's become so popular that the wait list is currently over 400 families long with an average wait of two and a half years. Okay, I was an economics major in college, which means I know how supply and demand works. There's a really high demand for this, so someone needs to figure out how to increase the supply. The last article that I have for this episode is titled, Me, Myself, and I, The Joy of Being Alone. It was written by Fiona McBennett and published in the Irish Times. You can find it online at irishtimes.com. McBennett writes, When was the last time you enjoyed your own company? In today's FOMO culture, where we all fear missing out, busyness is worn as a badge of honor, and an overbooked social calendar is seen as a sign of success, quality time alone has become something of a rarity. However, for a generation that has never been more connected, we have also never been lonelier. Loneliness and the psychological and physical problems associated with it are steadily on the rise, especially among older people. McBennett says, um, while the problems of social isolation in rural Ireland and loneliness among the sick and elderly are not to be dismissed, for a large proportion of the rest of us, our overstimulated, constantly connected world means we have forgotten how to be alone and as a result are missing out on the joy that spending time in one's own company can bring. She then goes on to share her experiences with solitude after a move. She writes, While it was idyllic, as a lifelong urbanite, it was also the most remote location I had ever lived. And there were days when the solitude felt daunting. I was working as a freelance writer at the time, and my husband worked in Dublin. This meant that I spent many long days alone with just my dog for company, and when we first moved in, we had no internet, a situation that particularly horrified my youngest 20-something sister, for whom the thought of even a day without Wi-Fi is enough to bring on a cold sweat. 
However, I soon learned to enjoy the peace and freedom that can be found in solitude. And my experience there taught me that there is a certain sense of self-confidence and self-empowerment to be gained from knowing that you can comfortably spend time in your own company. As I experienced, time alone is not always easy, especially in the beginning where, as with any new relationship, there is a period of adjustment and familiarization to be worked through. It is often when learning to meditate, which is one commonly practiced form of aloneness, that people discover how difficult it can be. So McBennett shares some of her experiences with the practice of meditation and um, how that works for her. She learned a lot about being alone through meditation and um, describes that time during her life and then goes on to say, my husband and I have since moved back to a community setting, but solitude continues to be an important part of my life. I love going for regular walks in the woods near our house, and I start every day with some journaling and meditation. I find that there is something very freeing about being by myself with no expectation or pressure to be in a certain mood, behave a certain way, or say the right thing. I can simply do and be as I please. She says, if we can improve our relationship with ourselves by engaging in periods of self-reflection and giving ourselves quality time out from the demands of life, then surely this will enhance our relationships with those around us. She quotes M. Scott Peck saying, not only do self-love and the love of others go hand in hand, but ultimately they are indistinguishable. So that's all I have for this episode of Loneliness. Thanks for listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my writing and work at charlottedonlin.com.